Welcome back to Indian Creek Baptist Church for our Sunday evening service. Uh, we're going to be in the book of John tonight. Uh, just a couple of quick announcements, uh, things to continue to pray for. Remember, our Veterans Day service will be next Sunday, the 12th. Uh, our midweek service, Thanksgiving week, will be on Tuesday, the 21st, the 21st instead of Wednesday. At, still at 7 p.m., but just Tuesday instead of Wednesday. And then keep the Schendel family in prayer as they go in on Tuesday the 21st uh, for baby Georgia to have her surgery to help drain the fluid off of her brain. And uh, continue to pray for the Wogan family uh, with their new baby Abigail who was just born on Thursday um, as they are just becoming new parents and starting a new life. So um, John chapter 9 is where we're at tonight. Last week, uh, the Jews and the Pharisees began to question the blind man that was healed outside the temple uh, and his parents. Uh, they vehemently questioned every aspect of his healing and still could not believe that Christ was sent from God. Um, and this is nothing less than learned ignorance. They have to be taught to think this way. Um, this week, their questions are going to continue and their anger is going to grow. And uh, as we're going to see, uh, they are really struggling with who God is and what He is. Can you turn that down just a hair? The, this thing? Yep, the one on the left. Thank you. All right, I was getting a little bit of a ring. but All right, John chapter 9 and verse number 28 is where we're going to pick up. The Bible says, Then they reviled Him and said, Thou art His disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses, As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. The man answered and said unto them, Why herein is a marvelous thing, that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God, and doeth his will, him he heareth. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. They answered and said unto him, Thou hast altogether, or thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said unto him, Dost thou believe on the Son of God? Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for the wonderful service this morning. Lord, we thank you for your truth that has touched our hearts. I pray, Lord, that tonight that same truth uh, would go out again, Lord, that it would enter our hearts, it would mold us and shape us into the men and women that you would have us to be, Lord, that it would change our lives and help us to walk closer to you uh, today than we ever have before. And Lord, help us to continue to grow closer to you with each and every day until you return. So God, please guide and direct us tonight. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we said last week, the Jews continued to question uh, the, the man that had been born blind. and But the man that had been born blind left with one final question. He said, will ye also be his disciples? And this really is what triggered the anger in these men. Verse number 28 says, then they reviled him. Webster's 1828 dictionary defines reviled as repro reproached or treated with opprobrious or contemptuous language. The word revile was first found in Exodus 2, 22, 28. 
here, God through Moses, has been laying out the law for the Jews to live by. So if we go back to Exodus chapter 22 and verse number 28, this is another one of those thou shalt's. This is not part of the Ten Commandments, but it is adding on to the Ten Commandments. Exodus 22 and verse number 28, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. Notice that gods is little g. God is not saying that they shouldn't serve the gods, that they shouldn't, uh, we know that they shouldn't do that, but he's saying they shouldn't hate the gods. That They shouldn't treat them with contemptuous language. Now, God is obviously speaking of the false gods that the heathen were worshiping, and the Jews were worshiping them as, uh, as well. What is interesting is that, again, he's telling them not to hate or reproach them. This is not because he wants them to worship them, but simply because they should not hate. Christ himself tells us that to be angry with someone is to have committed murder in our heart. Matthew 5.22 In Matthew 5, 22, Jesus is teaching the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he is speaking to, I believe it's a lawyer here. We'll start in verse number 21. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Christ is likening anger to murder. If you're angry with your brother without a cause, you've committed murder in your heart already. He goes on, uh, I think it was right before this, to talk about that uh, to lust after a woman is to have committed adultery with her in your heart already. He's giving them the truth of what God's law is, not just the law. Continue on in Matthew 5, verses 43 and 44. It said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you, and persecute you. In another place in the Gospels, he tells us uh, to give an enemy our coat, to feed them, to clothe them. He says it again in the book of Proverbs. He goes on to say that love is the key. If we do not love one another, we cannot truly be his disciples. But for us today, we need to understand that these gods that are being spoken of in the book of Exodus, that God instructs the children of Israel not to revile, are fallen angels. Those that had rebelled against God, that were the enemy of God. They were not to be hated, but loved. Not worshipped, but helped to turn back to God. Today we see this in the majority of the world. They are at enmity with God. We are not to hate them, but to love them enough to tell them the truth of the gospel. 
I've seen it several times, but uh, I think you all should know uh, Penn and Teller, the magic group. Um, Penn Gillette. Penn is the one that doesn't talk. The little short bald one. Or no, Teller's the one that doesn't talk. Penn is the one, is the big heavy one that does all the talking. Anyway, <clears throat> there's a, a video of of Penn uh, giving a an interview where he talks about a man that had come to one of his shows. And the man was a Christian. And that man at his show had been brought up on stage and was involved in one of the tricks. And, and as a thank you for coming up and being a good sport, they gave him all of the, the stuff, the props from that trick. And they sent him away. And he waited in line afterwards to come and, and, and have uh, Penn autograph the things that he had used. I don't remember if it was a card trick or what it was. But when he did that, he handed Penn a Bible. Now, uh, if you don't know, Penn is a uh, devout atheist. He absolutely does not believe in God. And he was not speaking of this man in an ill way, talking about how evil he was and, and how rude he was. Instead, he was very, he's very open in saying that this man was genuine. He was real. He truly wanted Penn to know that there was a God that loved him. And he handed Penn the Bible, and in the, in the Bible he had written his name, and he had written every possible way of contacting him, and, and, and he had written a little note that, that talked about the love of God and just basically give a very short version of the gospel. And Penn closed the interview with saying, as an atheist, if I believed the way that this man believed, if I believed that the whole world was bound for hell, an eternity in a lake of fire, I would crawl on my hands and knees through streets of broken glass to reach every person I could. This coming from an atheist. Yet, as we talked about this morning, how callous are we that the person standing next to us at the gas pump isn't worth taking the time to even hand a track to? How much do we have to hate somebody to not tell them the truth? This idea of hate, that amount of hatred is what the Jews have here in verse number 27 as is, is they're, they're interacting with this man, or verse number 28, I'm sorry, they begin to revile him. They, they, they curse him, they speak against him and, and, and hate him. Simply because he's telling them the truth. And understand that their reaction is not because this man is being wicked and, and evil. Their reaction is because this man has pricked their heart. He's stepped on their toes. And they don't want to move. But he had asked them, Will ye also be his disciples? And in their hatred, they pipe up with, we are Moses' disciples. Now, to be a disciple is to be a learner, to be a scholar, to be one who professes to receive instruction from another. A disciple is a follower or one that adheres to the doctrine of another. This is what the man is asking the Pharisees. Would you follow him? And they come back with, no, 
We are Moses' disciples. We follow his instruction. We follow his doctrine. Liars. Christ had already told them in John 5, 46, that if you had believed Moses, you would have believed in me because Moses wrote of me. If they were truly disciples of Moses, of one who adheres to his doctrine and received instruction from him, they would have understood who Christ was and they would have followed him without question. This is much like we see in Mordecai when he uses his, finally uses his ancestry as a Jew in the book of Esther. It's a point of pride and an excuse for them to do whatever they want. It's a convenience thing, as it is with many Christians today. Our liberty in Christ, the fact that we've been saved and forgiven of every sin that we've ever committed, every sin that we are currently committing, and every one that we ever will commit, gives so many of us license to do whatever we want instead of liberty to follow Christ. The Pharisees... Christ often rebuked them as vipers and hypocrites for making show of their religion in the streets because it brought them something. They go on to remind this man that God spoke to Moses. They continue, we know, again notice that word know, We know that God spoke to Moses. But as for this fellow, we know not whence he is. They know God spoke to Moses just like I know that George Washington existed. I've never met the man. I've only read about him in books and been taught about him by others. The major difference is that I could go to the place where Washington is buried and dig him up. The Bible tells us no one knows where Moses is buried. Exodus 34, verses 5 and 6. Remember Moses, sorry, not Exodus 34. Deuteronomy 34. I had Exodus stuck in my mind. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5 and 6. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. Well, who's that he? If you go back to verse number one, it says, And Moses went up from the plains of Moab under the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead unto Dan. And all Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim, and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah, unto the utmost sea, and the south, and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, unto Zoar. And the Lord said unto him, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, unto Jacob, saying, I will give it unto thy seed. I have caused thee to see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not go over thither. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab. The Lord buried Moses. 
It says he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab over against Beth Peor. But no man knoweth of his sepulcher unto this day. Do you think that God knew that how many thousand years later the Pharisees and the Jews would be worshiping Moses? That they would be claiming to be Moses' disciple while ignoring the Christ, the Messiah that Moses wrote about throughout every book that he wrote? I mean, even today, Jews and many other religions take pilgrimages to, to places where important people have died. People that call themselves Christians, that f claim to follow the same God that we do, crawl on their hands and knees over cobblestone streets to touch a statue of Mary. To pray at a set of steps where some saint has thought to have had something to do. God didn't want Moses, Moses' grave, to be that way. But the Pharisees claim that they are the disciples of Moses, that they know that God spoke to Moses. but they know not whence Christ is from. Now, does that make sense? In verse number 29, does that argument make sense to you guys? We know that God spoke to, no, to Moses, but we don't know where Christ is from. They don't match up. They're talking about God speaking to Moses and not knowing where Christ comes from. What is that? What is what is Christ's birthplace or where he was just at have to do with anything about them knowing whether God spoke to Moses? These are the things that let you understand that they know in their heart that Christ is who he's supposed to, who he claims to be. They are willingly ignorant, willingly choosing to disregard it. Their argument is we don't, we don't know from whence he is. We don't know where he came from. So the man answers, what a marvelous thing. This uneducated, blind man who has spent his life begging on the streets is now going to give us some of the most profound truth found in the Bible. What a marvelous thing that ye know not from whence he is, and yet he hath opened mine eyes. Now we know that God heareth not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. He is teaching. He's really stepping on some toes. This uneducated man who, who has spent no time in the synagogue sitting at the feet of the masters is explaining to men who have spent their whole lives studying the written scripture that was available at the time trying to understand God. 
In verse number 32, he says, Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? I'm just going to ask you right now, has it ever happened yet? Now, we know that there are some very amazing medical procedures out there. Brother Stalkup, uh, the man that was trying to keep the church in Osceola going, that just got, that gave us all these chairs and, and the, the song books and the, the pew Bibles and the piano and the majority of the furniture in here, just had a complete valve replacement. He's got a mechanical valve in his heart. If it's the room's quiet, you can hear it click. You can hear it operate. Um, May uh, McDowell uh, from Fellowship. She's what? Eight? Seven? Six? She's Naomi's age, right? A little older? She's Abe's age? Okay. Yeah. A anyway, she's a little older. She's got a, a cochlear implant. Mm -hmm. yeah. She's got a, a, a device on the back of her head that goes into her skull and it reads the vibrations in the air and translate and translate it in, into her head because she was born almost completely deaf. And, and it allows her to actually hear and understand. They can do cornea transplants, the, the covering of your eye. They can transplant from a dead person into a live person and fix cataracts and, and blurred, damaged vision and partially restore vision that was that was... Not completely lost, but damaged due to injury. But no one has ever made a blind man, completely blind man, see. Except for Christ. No doctor has ever been able to create life like God did. He says... Since the beginning of the world was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. God heareth those that worship and obey, obey him. He says, we know that God heareth not sinners. Now, this is not exactly correct. God hears sinners. He just doesn't hearken to them. But the Pharisees would have wholeheartedly agreed with this. In their self-righteous thinking, they were the only ones who God heard because they weren't sinners. In Luke 18, we have the story of two men. Luke 18 and verse number 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse number 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. 
God doesn't hearken to us as sinners. It's not until in our hearts we know and understand our situation and repent and turn to God that we can confess with our mouth and God will hear us. But that change has already been made in our heart. But He still hears everything that goes on in the world. He goes on to say, but he heareth those that worship him. Again, the Pharisees would agree that God hears those who worship him and do his will. They would agree that they they don't know anyone that has opened the eyes of a man that was born blind from the beginning of the world. Yet, they can't agree that if this man was not of God, he could do nothing. I mean, all the evidence is right there. This could only be done by God himself, the creator of all mankind. Christ walking the earth, born of a virgin, as God, is the only one that could have done this. And the Pharisees have finally had enough. They're angry to the point where they are just, as Popeye would put it, they've had all they can stand and they can't stand no more. Yet they still can't refute what the man has said. So like many times before, they just choose to attack the man's character. They answered and said unto him, Thou wast altogether born in sins, and dost thou teach us? Well, they're partially right. He was born in sin. Every one of us is born in sin. Every one of us since Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, when they disobeyed God's rule, God's law, to not eat of the, free, the, tr- the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, has been born with that sin nature. They're forgetting the fact that they were also born in sins. But we saw at the beginning of this as the disciples and Jesus were coming out of the temple. The disciples asked, who sinned that this man was born blind, this man or his parents? And Christ said, neither. This man was born blind so that the power of God could be revealed. These Pharisees are just trying to impute his character. And they cast him out. His parents had given their answer, saying that, yes, this is our son, and yes, he was born blind, but how, we are, how he was healed, we know not. Ask him, he is of age. They had given that answer because they were afraid of being excommunicated from the temple. They were afraid of not being able to worship God. And now, this man is no longer able to be in the temple. His membership card has been revoked. He's no longer welcome in the synagogue, which meant he's not able to properly worship God, which meant 
there's a good chance that he'll die and go to hell. In their minds. In their minds, these Pharisees were giving him a death sentence without killing him. They were choosing to send him to hell. This is another all too common tactic around the world because religion is based on works. And when the ability to work is removed, it means you can't have religion. The Catholics will excommunicate you and won't, you won't be allowed to attend Mass, to give confession, to partake in the sacraments, all of which they believe are required for you to be able to get to heaven. The Muslims will excommunicate you from their families and mosques, which again means that you can't get into heaven. If the offense is bad enough, they will simply kill you. We've heard of honor killings in the Middle East because someone is chosen to be a follower of God. They don't want to dishonor the family, so the brother or the uncle or whoever murders them. Christians, true believers in God, saved by grace, shown the mercy and love of God, turn their back on those who really need their help simply because they made a mistake. Thus, to everyone else, they become hypocrites and greatly decrease the chance that the truth will actually be heard. Verse 35 tells us that when Christ heard that he had been cast out of the temple, Christ went and found him and offered him a home. Because it's not religion that gets you to heaven, it's relationship. It's only by a faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting in what He has already done and nothing that you can do that gets you to heaven. This man's life is going to be changed twice in the same day. He was given his sight, and now he's given a home. But he had to go through a lot first. We're going to look at tomorrow, or next week, we're going to look at his profession of faith and see what the Pharisees are missing out on. But my prayer for us today is that we would never be that church that just because somebody's made a mistake they get kicked out. Now don't get me wrong. I wholeheartedly believe in church discipline. And if somebody is living in open sin, we're going to do our best to deal with it. But we're going to deal with it in love 
with grace and mercy. Because without it, people will perish. Mm 